Welcome to Recloseted Radio, the top-rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing sustainable apparel company, or looking to make a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and each week I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to Recloseted Radio. In this episode, you are in for a real treat because I have invited on Helen Kartika, who is my mindset coach, and I have worked with her, and I know firsthand how amazing she is and how helpful she is. And so I knew I had to bring her onto the podcast. I have talked about my work with her previously in a few of our recloseted behind the scenes episodes. And I got a lot of questions around mindset and a lot of questions about things I was learning. So I thought, what better way to answer those questions than to have Helen herself come on? And before we get into it, I'm going to give you a brief introduction on Helen. So Helen Kartika is a mindset and performance coach for ambitious entrepreneurs looking to master their mindset and reprogram themselves for success. She loves helping people to show up more confidently in their business and personal lives, better navigate the roller coaster journey that is entrepreneurship, beat burnout, and release the mental blocks that are holding them back from unlocking their full potential and achieving their goals. Without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Helen. Welcome to the podcast, Helen. I am so excited to have you on today and dive in. And let's just get started because there's so many things to talk about. I always ask the same question to everyone, but can you let everyone know what your background is, how you got started, and just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. So I am a mindset and performance coach for ambitious female entrepreneurs, really just looking to master their mindset so that they can release uh, what's holding them back and unlock their full potential. So this could look like anything between uh, overcoming overwhelm, cultivating inner confidence, gaining more clarity in their business or in their personal lives or really anything to do with just releasing the mental blocks that might not serve them anymore. So that might be self-doubt or fear or imposter syndrome or anything in between. And in terms of my uh, background, this journey really started for me when I decided to leave the corporate world behind. So I had what was on paper you know, a very dream job, worked at a very cool agency, traveled the world, had cool clients, a really nice team. But at the end of the day, I just felt so unfulfilled and something was missing and I didn't know what. And I experienced what I call, and I think I explained this to you actually when we first met, just massive, um, massive corporate disillusion and just serious like emotional and physical and even spiritual burnout really that's what it was at the end of the day it was just burnout and of course that kind of led me to actually want to start my own business so I thought you know what like 
starting going out on my own. This is going to solve all my problems. I'll have the freedom and flexibility. Maybe that'll give me more purpose. And then obviously starting a business is really hard, right? So when I actually did that and started my own business, uh, running a marketing agency, because that's what I did in corporate, I just experienced burnout all over again. And it was just a whole different set of uh, struggles and mindset challenges. And that's what really led me to wanting to become a coach because I just wanted to help other female entrepreneurs that were potentially going, going through the same, essentially. And yeah, that's what led me to do what I'm doing now. Yeah, I think your journey is really interesting and it really just goes to show that you can do so much throughout your career. But taking a step back, because I feel like there's a lot that you just said and there's also a lot to unpack. But first of all, do you mind explaining what mindset is and what that looks like for you? And then also knowing that as you went from a corporate job to starting your own marketing agency and now becoming a mindset coach, What do you think were some of the mindset shifts that really helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. I think that is a really great question because it's really important to acknowledge that mindset is really different to everyone and has lots of different perceptions. And I know this because a few months back, I actually did some market research calls uh, for a new service I was developing. And when I asked this question, I I had so many different responses. So some people would actually say mindset is mindfulness and meditation, whilst others just said it's positive thinking. Others said it was reparenting, which um, is really interesting because, you know, reparenting involves kind of reparenting yourself if you didn't get that unconditional um, love or validation from your significant uh, authority figures when you were growing up and all these things. And I think whilst all these are very kind of helpful tools, very, very helpful tools in actually improving your mindset and strengthening your mindset, I think when it really comes down to it, mindset is self-management. It's self-management and self-regulation and self-leadership. It's really just accepting that you are in control and taking that agency and being a leader in your life. And I guess from a really, on a really practical level, this is all about just being really conscious of your thoughts, right? Because that's why it's called mindset. It's about being really conscious of your thoughts, your beliefs, and your language as well, because your language is the expression of your thoughts and it's what actually brings it into reality. So it's really just about being aware of these things and understanding how they all connect and how this influences how you act, how you do not act, and ultimately your outcomes and your results in life. Yes, I love that. And I really resonate with what you said about being the leader of your own life. And in regards to your journey from going from corporate to starting your own marketing agency and becoming a mindset coach, Do you think that it was just a mindset thing that happened and like you just shifted over the years and you really just took more control and ownership over your life? And if that's the case, what did that transition and process look like for you? Because I think sometimes when we're talking about our journey, it can be really easy to be like, oh, I just went from a corporate job to starting my own business and 
it can seem like it was all very easy. And I know going through it, sometimes it's not. So I would love for you to share more details. Absolutely. So like how I see that transition is they always say you need to go through a breakdown before you get to the breakthrough. And I definitely think that's what it was for me. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being in corporate. I had, I had the most amazing job. Like I really did. I had fun in it. I had a great team. I, I had all the things, you know, I was really looked after. Um, but it was just something missing. And the thing is, is that if I didn't have that breakdown, I would have just been ticking along, right? I would have just kept going um, at the status quo. And, you know, again, there's kind of nothing wrong with that. But the transition just came from really seeking something more. And for me, that more like the answer that I gave myself, which was starting a business, like that was not the answer. It was actually doing the inner work to figure out underneath why I was doing all these amazing things, yet still didn't feel successful. So for me, that journey just really looked like um, going through that pain, <laughs> going through those breakdowns um, to figure out how I could get to the other side, essentially. Yeah, I totally agree with you because even in my personal life, when I've had really big challenges that I'm trying to get through or when I'm facing really, really big breakdown moments, I always end up on the other side and I'm always so much stronger for it. So 100% agree with that. And talking more about mindset, do you mind sharing what a quote unquote good mindset might look like? Or do you think that everyone's definition is a bit different and it's all about what works for that person? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. What works uh, for them? So there are, there are so many mindset tips, uh, you know, like we mentioned, mindfulness, meditation, that's a really good things that you can do. I think for myself, um, a big part of my journey was actually journaling that really helped with my mindset and not because it's cute and fluffy and everyone recommends journaling and it's the thing that everyone does right now. Actually, at the time when I was so burnt out in corporate and I just didn't really see, like every day was going by in a blur, it was journaling was a tool for me to just create space in my life, to stop and create space for me to just notice what was going on. So this comes back to that awareness piece, right? Having a good mindset is just not letting your day pass you by and not being intentional with, you know, what you're doing in your thoughts. It's really just being aware. So I like to call it the three A's. So awareness, then agency, because you have to take control. And then it's action. Okay. So all this stuff doesn't just live in your mind. When you are aware of the thoughts that are at play, you then have to take action to consciously choose better or more productive thoughts for yourself, right? So in this way, it's not just about positive thinking or, or whatever. It's just being aware and being control and then taking action. Um, so yeah, I think mindset very much is like the reason I said the journaling example is because that's something I personally would do, but not everybody would do that. Other people um, have their own, you know, ways to to manage their mindset. And this is also why it's actually really good to kind of work with a coach. They're never going to give you tips and tell you what to do, but they're going to help you understand yourself better so that you can kind of create those solutions for yourself. 
Yeah, I love that. And now getting more into the nitty gritty. I know that in our recloseted community and with our clients, and I know you must get this with your clients and in your community as well, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs and people out there struggling with things like their inner critic, also their money mindset, limiting beliefs. And I thought we would kick things off with the feeling of being an imposter or imposter syndrome. Yeah, this is my favorite one because it's so like imposter syndrome, again, has so many different definitions and so many different ways to look at it. If you are someone that feels like you have imposter syndrome, I just want you to know that only imposters don't get imposter syndrome. Only imposters don't get imposter syndrome. I know of seven-figure business owners, incredibly successful. They've achieved so much in their lives. And yet every level, because they say new level, new devil, every level they get to, they get that fear. They get that imposter syndrome. They fear that they're going to be found out for not being the expert or whatever. And that just happens with growth. And why I like the saying, you know, only imposters don't get imposter syndrome so much is if you're feeling that imposter syndrome, be inspired to lean into it, lean in, because it probably means that there is something for you to improve or look at, right? And if you're feeling that imposter syndrome, it's kind of a good thing because it means that you're actually going to try harder. You're going to do all the things to learn all the skills, to service your clients better, to um, make your business more successful, to make sure that you you don't show up like the imposter. You're going to be so prepared that nothing's going to be able to stop you, right? So that's the first thing I want to say about imposter syndrome. If you're feeling it, like it's part of that growth and lean in and just know it's just going to push you um, to do your best. And when it comes to imposter syndrome, If you just show up and do your best and have positive intention and good effort, no one's going to judge you. If you like get onto an Instagram live and you stumble on your words or you're working with a client, you don't know what to do next and you're just really sincere about it and you're like, look, I'm trying here. Let's figure this out. People respect that. Like that's real, that's raw and that's human. And I also think the other thing to really understand with imposter syndrome is that, yeah, it's really different. It might not just be you feel like you're not an expert or you feel like you're a fraud or, you know, you feel like you're not good enough. Be careful about how imposter syndrome shows up for you. So it can sometimes look like perfectionism, you know, like just going over all the details again and again and again for fearing it's not going to be good enough when you put it out there to the world or you submit it or whatever. It could also be procrastination, you know, like putting things off and avoiding them or having resistance, again, for fear of when you actually go to do the thing or you go to launch, no one's going to be there. It's going to be crickets or it's not going to be good enough, right? So I'd really just invite people like, because I know sometimes it's triggering. It's like, oh, I don't get imposter syndrome. I'm totally outward confident. But uh, just be very mindful and aware of, I guess, your own flavor of imposter syndrome. Yes, I totally resonate with all of what you just said. I think the first time you said that to me, only imposters don't get imposter syndrome. I was like, oh, yeah, that's so true. And 
I feel like to your point, you can almost use it as fuel and as an opportunity to dig deep and see what's going on. And for me, like I think the perfectionism piece really resonates with me and it's something I definitely watch out for now. But yeah, I think that's going to be really helpful for folks. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think um, there's another example. I think I shared it with you. It's like people that are paranoid that they're lazy. They think that they're lazy. They're not doing enough and things like that. And it's like, like if you were lazy, you wouldn't have that thought that you were lazy, right? You would just be lazy. <laughs> you wouldn't be paranoid. It's like imposters as well, right? Like you're having that thought for a reason, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's a really helpful way sometimes to think about it. Yeah. And then another thing that I think a lot of people struggle with is their inner critic or that negative voice in their head. And so I would love to talk about that and see if you had any tips. Yeah, absolutely. I think my favorite tip around inner critic, I mean, the first thing I want to say about it, and this is something that we worked a lot with as well, is that I think people often have this inner critic or, you know, a, a voice in their head that's telling them that they can't do something or they, they shouldn't do something or that they're not good enough. And one of the most important things to recognize is to try and work with that inner critic, not against it. And when I say against it is because a lot of people have the urge to kind of just shut it off, you know, or um, distract themselves from it. But it's about embracing that inner critic, because again, similar to imposter syndrome, it's just your fear. It's just your fear kind of trying to protect you and, and kind of warn you to not do something, you know? So it's really important to just recognize that what the function of that is. Like, what is this inner critic actually trying to serve? What's its purpose? And just appreciate that it's just something that's trying to help you inside of you. And then I would say once you've kind of understood that process, the best thing that you can do for your inner critic, and one of the, my favorite tips is just labeling it. So naming it. Because it's much easier when you label it. So I know we did this work, but for example, my inner critic, her name is Heather. And it's much easier for me to be conscious of the thought, the inner critic voice and say, okay, thank you, Heather. Like, thank the inner critic because I know she's trying to serve me. And then say, and then reframe whatever she's saying. Because when you label it, it's much easier to disassociate it or that voice from your Self, it's much harsher to disengage from your inner critic if you're saying, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. And it's not me that's saying I'm not good enough. It's this voice in my head. It's Heather that's saying that. So I really like thanking it. Thanks, Heather. I really appreciate you having my back and looking out for me. However, I choose to continue doing this task because I know if I keep going and learning and growing, I am going to get to the point where I want to be. So I think for me, just labeling it is, um, yeah, one of the most helpful tools. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people out there that always talk about how you need to squash your inner critic and you should just be default positive all the time. And to be honest, that really stressed me out because I was like, oh, like, how come this is still coming up for me? And how come I'm still being so negative towards myself? But I really appreciated how you talk about naming it and then that way you can really identify and just be more aware of when it happens too. Because 
before to your point, it's like, oh, this is coming from me. Like I'm talking down on myself or I don't believe on myself. But no, it's actually just your inner critic to your point protecting you. And so it's good to make that differentiation and just be aware of it. Yeah, for sure. And I think what's also interesting to note is the fact that, you know, humans have, we have a negativity bias. And this negativity bias comes from evolution and the need for our survival brain to try and protect us from, you know, back in the day when we were running away from saber-toothed tigers and things like that. So, you know, uh, they say that the human brain has around 60,000 thoughts a day, up to 60,000 thoughts on average a day. And of those thoughts, 80% are negative. And of those 80%, 95% are actually repetitive, right? And I know anyone listening probably gets that because you have the same, same thoughts going through your head again and again and again, and you're constantly ruminating. And so on this point that you're mentioning about, you know, uh, not trying to quash the negativity straight away and, 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 and having this expectation that you should just be positive, that's just not how it works. You are built to be negative so that your thoughts can protect you from potential dangers in the environment. Of course, we don't have those dangers these days. You know, <laughs> most of the things we fear are not relevant, but our brain um, isn't, doesn't work like that, right? So it's really important to acknowledge that you will have those negative thoughts, but then you can always choose your response. So it's not about trying to have a default. It's about choosing your response. And then after time, that more positive, empowering response over that negative automatic response, that's going to become your default, but only if you work to it over time. I feel like for a lot of people that start this work, they expect the changes to be very, very quick and immediate and transparent. But sometimes it's like, you know, you just have to be patient with yourself and remember that you can't Amazon Prime your dreams and the ideal life you want. So you just need to be patient and continue to put in the work. And another thing that I think a lot of people struggle with is their limiting beliefs. And these are just things they hold to be true that hold them back and really prevent them from achieving success or achieving their goals. And the scary part, I think, is the fact that you can be aware that you have a limiting belief or it can be subconscious as well. And so I would love for us to have a little discussion about that. So belief is something that someone holds to be true about themselves, the world, and others. Um, And a limiting belief is one of those beliefs that doesn't serve you. And unfortunately, a lot of beliefs actually kind of form at a really, really young age. So these beliefs are so programmed within us from our, you know, significant uh, authority figures while we were growing up, uh, teachers, parents, media, all that kind of thing. And a lot of the time, we don't even know the subconscious beliefs that are holding us back. So why beliefs are so important is because, you know, talking a lot about uh, the importance of changing thoughts and things like that, Beliefs actually underpin thoughts. So there's something called, I don't know if it actually has a name, but it's a belief thought cycle. But basically everything starts with a belief. These beliefs that you've picked up about um, the world, like you have to work hard for money or you need to be good for people to like you or you need to be smart 
to feel loved. You may have picked up these beliefs from your parents, even if they didn't explicitly say that, you know? Um, like for example, my parents, I, I grew up uh, playing really competitive tennis and they really supported that. They loved the fact that I played tennis. They were really grooming me to be a professional tennis player. But the belief I picked up when I was really young was that I had to perform and succeed in order to be loved, which wasn't true because my parents are freaking amazing. Like I love them. They love me so much. But because I was kind of groomed with this, I picked up that belief. So where the belief thought cycle comes in is your beliefs underpin the thoughts that you have about yourself and the world. And then your thoughts then impact your emotions and then your emotions then dictate how you act or do not act. And then, you know, the results and outcomes you get um, as a result of that. So just to simplify this a lot and to just, just to even give you a really neutral example, if you have the belief, like you've got the belief and you've always had this in life that being late is bad. I have this, right? I love being punctual. If you have the belief that being late is bad, um, and then you, you have uh, a scenario in the morning where you are on your way to work, or you've got to go to work and you are running late, right? The thoughts that start going through your head is, oh my gosh, I really don't want to be late. What if my boss yells at me? What if um, I get in trouble? What if other people in the office judge me because I'm running late? Those thoughts that then happen lead you to have an emotion. That emotion, if you're having those kind of thoughts, is probably anxiety <laughs> or stress or fear, right? And then the action that that might lead you to do is instead of just taking a normal commute, maybe you actually call a cab, call an Uber to like get to work faster rather than walking or taking your normal route, right? But if we go back to the belief and the initial thought we had, if our thought was instead, okay, uh, yes, being late is bad. However, you know, my, my boss is actually going to be fine with it. I'll just talk to her. She'll understand it. You reframe it. You rationalize it. Then that affects your emotions. Instead of feeling stressed and anxious, you're then feeling calm. And maybe your corresponding action isn't calling the cab and stressing out. It's just being okay with the fact that you're going to be five or 10 minutes late instead. So I think when you're looking at beliefs, um, it's really kind of, again, important to really understand how your beliefs underpin all the other steps, all the other things that happen. And sometimes it's really hard to, to change on that behavior level. It's really hard to like tell people you should do this or you should do that or you should be a certain way because if their beliefs aren't congruent with that, that it's never going to match up. They're never going to change. Like change happens at that belief level. And I think this is where things kind of get tricky because when it comes to limiting beliefs, a lot of people don't know what theirs truly are or their subconscious limiting beliefs. Like I said, things that you're not even aware of. And that's maybe why it's kind of good to work with a coach in those respects, because you really just unpick what those are. You get, you get really under the layers and you unpick what they are and you figure out where they've come from. And when you figure out where they've come from and how they're no longer serving you, you can then pick new beliefs for yourself and start to implement and try out those new beliefs in your life. Because remember, it's all about once you know this stuff and this knowledge about yourself, you then take action towards making it a reality. No, there was a lot there. Thank you for explaining it. And I think you explained it really well. And it made a lot of sense, especially with that late to work example. So thank you for that. 
And I guess it just really shows how important it is just, you know, doing this work, because to your point, a lot of it is subconscious, we have no idea, and it's affecting us on a day to day level, and it affects our actions, right, which affects what our life looks like. So that's why I really think this is so important. And another thing that we worked a lot on is the fact that I really struggled with setting boundaries and saying no to things because I identify as a people pleaser and I really want to make sure that other people around me are happy. And so it was really hard for me to set these boundaries. And when we started working together and I started identifying it, I was really able to start being more empowered and saying no. And so Yeah, can we have a discussion around this? Because I would love for you to share your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you said just then. It's really interrogating, you know, like the first thing to ask yourself is, why is it so hard for me to set this boundary? Why is it so hard for me to set this boundary? And is it some kind of fear? So if it's people pleasing, it's a fear of judgment or it's a fear of not being liked or loved. Um, what is it that's stopping me from creating this bound from not creating this boundary or creating this boundary? And sometimes it's useful to just play out the scenario, you know, what's the worst thing that can really happen? And also just to think about, you know, what is the cost? What is the cost of not putting in this boundary? Because, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, and especially if you're a service-based provider, you're working a lot with other people you're always giving so much of yourself. So, okay, I'm giving everything to everyone else and I'm getting that love from them in return, but what is the cost on, you know, my own business or my own energy or my own time or even just, you know, respect for myself? A lot of people that don't have boundaries, it actually turns into another completely different vicious monster in themselves, right? If you're trying to people please, um, or you have some like avoidance tendencies, you want to avoid conflicts and stuff like that. It actually just turns into resentment, not only for the other person, but yourself. And you become disappointed that you weren't, uh, you know, um, quote unquote, strong or strict enough with your boundaries. So definitely just interrogate, where is this coming from? And what, what is it costing me? Yeah, it's exactly like what you just said, because every single time I wouldn't set my boundary or I would just say yes to things I didn't really want to do, I would go through a vicious cycle where I would be too wishy-washy, I wouldn't say no, so I would say yes. I would go into a situation, be it a speaking event or a volunteer thing or just someone wanted something from me, and I would do the thing that I agreed to do. And then I would feel really crappy about it this whole time and feel a little bit of resentment. And then I would say, okay, next time for real, I'm going to say no. And then next time rolls around and I still don't say no. And it's just this endless vicious cycle. So I really appreciate you talking about it because I know that it's not just me that goes through this. So it's really important to know what you stand for and what you will or will not do because that really gave me so much clarity and courage because I knew exactly what I was available for and exactly what I wasn't available for. And something you told me that I really resonated with is the fact that not everyone is entitled to my time. And just because someone acts like they are by, you know, sending me a request or whatever, 
doesn't mean I have to say yes and I actually get to dictate what and who I spend my time and my energy on. And that was such a powerful shift for me. And so all of this work that we've done is so powerful for me because I now have clarity around what I will do and what I will not do. And I also feel empowered enough to say no and know that I am in control of my time and my energy and I can choose how I want to spend it. Exactly. And actually, I really love what you said there because I think that's another important piece of the puzzle is sometimes it's hard to have boundaries if you don't really know what you want right? If you don't fervently know exactly what you want, you're obviously going to kind of get, um, you know, you're going to be blowing in the wind and you're going to be pulled in all the directions that other people uh, want you to go in. So if you dig under your, under your, um, you know, your levels of why you can't set boundaries, maybe you might find that actually you just need, you just need clarity. You need clarity on what is in alignment with you and what you believe in enough to actually, you know, put your time and energy towards so you can be more intentional rather than reactive to everybody else. Yeah, just that exercise of figuring out what I am available for and what I feel good doing and then what I don't like to do or some of those energy drainers was so helpful for me and I know you know that. And another really big topic that I was working on and I know a lot of other entrepreneurs and people in general work on is their money mindset or their money story. And this is something that I feel like every single person has, either some subconscious beliefs or some baggage around the topic. So I would love for us to talk about it a little bit right now. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, and I get any, any client that um, wants to work on their money mindset, I always get them to write a list of their money stories or their negative money beliefs. So this could be anything like you were just kind of saying, you know, uh, feeling guilty about actually earning and spending money. It could even be things like that you picked up from your parents at a young age, like money doesn't grow on trees or you have to work hard to earn money. So, of course, if you've got a belief that something like you have to work hard to earn money, you might actually feel guilty if you start a business and it's actually really successful and you're loving your business and having so much fun in it. Again, it's that subconscious thing. Consciously, you're like, this should be good. I should be enjoying spending my money. But subconsciously, if you've got that belief that you formed at a really young age, or you've picked up somewhere that you have to work hard for money. Well, you're going to feel really icky about it. You're going to feel bad and guilty for earning so much money doing something that you actually love doing and that's actually really fun for you, right? I don't know if you've read it, uh, You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Yeah, so I, it's really, really good. And I would definitely recommend anyone that wants to work on their money mindset to just read that book. It's, it's really good. It's really inspiring. And she talks about having similar money beliefs. So something like, you know, money can't buy happiness. If this is one of your money beliefs, interrogate that and pull that apart. And because that's something that a lot of people will fall back on, like money can't buy happiness. And that's a very noble thing to say. But, you know, maybe it's something to ask yourself, like, are you ashamed if money does buy you happiness? Like, why does that um, come up? in you. And then what you can do is you can really interrogate that belief that you have by asking yourself, well, what is happiness to me? Take away the money, 
what is happiness to me? And if happiness to you is things like for a lot of people is traveling the world or having new experiences or enjoying time with friends or you don't have to worry about your bank account and doing all this stuff. When you think about all the things that happiness involves, you can then ask yourself, well, you know, is money involved in that at all? You know, or how does money help you in those scenarios? Because to travel, to have dinner with friends, it usually involves having money, right? That's just, it's just part of life. It's just a fact of life. So then you could replace or rewrite your money belief around money doesn't buy happiness because that sounds very negative and probably very triggering to a lot of people. You can actually change that to money supports, like money supports my happiness and things like that. Um, Another really common one that comes up with my clients is like, you know, I've worked really hard for my money. So I deserve like I, I deserve to be able to spend it. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to deserve to spend your money like you are deserving no matter what, babe, like you're a human being, you are loved, you don't need to work hard to deserve that money. You deserve anything <laughs> because you are worthy and you are loved. So yeah, I guess long story short, I would really just recommend any beliefs uh, or stories you have around money, you know, really notice what your like parents' conversations were about money when you were growing up. Like, did they fight a lot about money? Did they always say things like uh, here in the UK, I don't know if it's in Canada, but in Europe, there's this thing that's like save, um, like save for the best. So it's kind of like, don't use things like, you know, save it up for a rainy day and things like that. So yeah, it's really kind of just interrogating what are those money stories and yeah, how can you rewrite those money stories for yourself? Yeah, totally. And I also just wanted to say that as you're listening to this, if you're recognizing that a lot is coming up for you in terms of your money subconscious beliefs or some money stories that you've been told, don't feel badly about it because I think every single person has those, like I I was just saying. Because our society is really wired to be so hush-hush about money. Like we don't talk about our salaries. We don't really talk about how much we have in our savings. And we have all this terminology that gets thrown around like, oh, I can't afford that or that's so expensive. And again, like society really teaches us from a really, really young age about all of these things when it comes to money. So don't feel bad if a lot is coming up for you right now. And another thing that I am really grateful that we were able to work on is just reframing this idea of failure, because let's face it, we're all going to face challenges. Things aren't always going to go according to plan. So it's really important to learn how to deal with this concept of failure. And so I would love to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I I think all your mindset work builds up to this, right? You do all the inner work because I think one of the easiest ways to reframe failure and, you know, any, like we've talked about this, any mindset uh, coach will talk about this, but, you know, there's no such thing as failure because you really can't succeed unless you fail and get the lessons and the learnings and the feedback. So I would say like a tip is you always always when you experience a failure, failure, quote unquote, like a failure looks different to anybody. It could be bad feedback. It could be a little setback. It could be something not going as expected. 
but always try and look for the lesson um, in that, you know, always look for the lesson or the gift or the opportunity. And that sounds, that sounds really obvious. It's like, cool. That's like all well and good. And I think you kind of need to do all the other mindset work first, like trusting yourself, um, having that resilience, kind of knowing that all the failures are just part of the process. You know, there's a quote that says the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried, you know? So it's all about just understanding that, but that might be a little bit hard for you to just accept and kind of convince yourself of if you haven't done all that other work to really just accept yourself and enjoy the journey and the process of that. And I want to say, and because this is actually a mindset shift that I've had recently from my mentors, is that it's all well and good to say, you know, look at the lesson and look at the, like, look at the gift and the opportunity in your failures. But at the end of the day, it's kind of much bigger than that. You know, it's, it's, this is the only time in your life that you're going to go through this. If you're experiencing fail, a sense of failure, right, or feelings of imposter syndrome or lack of confidence, any of that kind of fear-based stuff that you get when you're, you're going through growth, just appreciate it. Like, appreciate that. Because like we said, you need to go through, a, you need to have a breakdown before you go through a breakthrough. And the whole thing is, is you, it's like you're climbing a summit, right? It's like you're climbing a mountain. And once you get to the top, that summit, it's just a moment. It's just a fleeting moment. You get that promotion or you hit 100K in your business and that, that's it. It's gone, right? We need to accept that. So what that kind of means is that it's more important for us to, this sounds so cheesy, but it's more important for us to really accept that journey and feel into it because you're never going to get that again. You're never going to feel that failure. You're never going to get those learnings and lessons. And by the time you get to the top, it's just, it is reality. It's going to disappear in a moment. So really just enjoy that process, I guess, is the long-winded message I'm trying to communicate here. It's so true. If you listen to any interviews from successful entrepreneurs that have exited and let's say sold their company for millions or billions of dollars, All of them say that they finally have achieved their goal, but a lot of them now are trying to figure out what the meaning of life is or they go on this deep self-exploration journey because they finally get to where they're going, but they're not happy or it doesn't play out the way they thought it would. And it turns out that the journey to get there is actually the most rewarding part. And yes, I know sometimes it can sound cheesy, but it's so true and I, I really resonate with that. And last but not least, before we get into more of the lighthearted fun questions, do you have any tips on managing stress and anxiety? Because I think this is something that everyone deals with. And so it would be great to get some of your tips. Yes, so many tips as an ex-burnout sufferer. Um, One really like practical tip, really simple practical tip I can give is just create the space. Create the space to check in with yourself, right? Because the worst thing that can happen is exactly what we said, and particularly with with COVID and everything, is just the days go by in a blur and before you know it, you're overworked, you're agreeing to all these things, you have no boundaries, 
your kid screaming really needs everything is just blowing up and you've got no time or space to yourself to discern what you need. So really big one for me is create the space, whether that's 15 minutes in the morning to just journal uh, or in the evening to just check in with yourself. And I really like um, the method of just giving yourself a number on a scale. So if it's stress or anxiety, again, stress is something that serves you to an extent, right? It drives you forward. It pushes you, okay? Especially for very ambitious, high-achieving entrepreneurs like your audience that are listening or you yourself, you kind of need to have a stress level of, you know, six or seven to motivate you, right? So you kind of need that. But if you're checking in with yourself during a hot, like a time where you know you'll be stressed, Um, and you recognize that you're slipping into an eight, okay? It's like, okay, but you're slipping into that eight. If you've checked into your with yourself, that is a good time for you then to be like, okay, I'm slipping into an eight. How can I course correct here? So is there meetings that I can reschedule? Remember, you are always in control, right? So is there a meeting that I can reschedule? Even if you feel like you can't, your mental health and your balance is the most important thing for you as a person and an entrepreneur. Um, Or, you know, what other boundaries do I need to put in place? Or do I need to try and get to bed earlier? Like whatever your triggers are, just create that space for yourself is one really simple thing you can do. Just take five minutes out of your day. The second thing I would say is, you know, I love this one really protect your energy. So what I love about stress is that it's, I don't love stress, but what I love about the topic of stress is the mindset stuff and the practical stuff that you can do. And so one really good thing is being very aware of your energy and how you use that energy. So one thing that you can do is know your energy levels and baselines. Um, So for example, know, know how much energy you give when you're in a meeting that's all about admin. Know how much energy you give when you need to show up for a podcast interview. Know how much energy you need to give when you're just talking one-to-one with a client, okay? Um, There are different things in your life like grocery shopping or cleaning the bathroom where you just really want to, like, you you don't want to go full pelt. You want to protect your energy because it's just, it's like battery power, right? It goes up and down. So you don't want to use it all up. So what I would say is know your energy levels for, for whatever the main key activities in your life and your business, and then um, act, like adjust your energy accordingly. So for example, for me, I only give my 10 because I'm a very energetic person. So it's very easy when you're very extroverted and you have lots of energy, it's just your energy just gets let out. But for me, I only reserve that 10 for my one-to-one clients and my loved ones and my family because they deserve a 10, right? But if I'm in like a a catch-up meeting or if like I'm on one of my calls where I'm getting coached, equally as important, I don't need that 10 energy. Maybe I want it to be like a six or a seven. So in that way, you're kind of like preserving your energy, which also helps, you know, when you're stressed out and things to just manage that a little bit better. Um, And what I would also say is a really good exercise to do, and I know you really enjoyed this one, is looking at your energy drainers and boosters throughout the day. Um, Because energy just isn't about your physical energy. It's really about like, and this is why at the beginning I said I had really emotional and spiritual burn 
burnout. And what I bet with spiritual was more just like I had lost my spirit, you know? So like, what are those tasks that really drain you? Like what are those tasks, whether it be admin or fight, whatever it is for you that really just suck your emotional and spiritual energy and just looking at the people, places and things and tasks that, you know, replenish your energy and boost it and drain it and just give yourself like, um, you know, a notepad during the day and just make a note of these things and anything that drains your energy, figure out how you can delete, delegate or automate it, right? Figure out how you can just minimize that in your life so you can only keep the boosted energy, people, places and things because then that's really going to help with like your stress levels and managing that. Yeah, I love the self-check-in because I think that before I would just be super overwhelmed and stressed out, but I wouldn't have a benchmark. And so now every evening I ask myself how I'm feeling. And if I'm at a five or a six, that's all good because I have that baseline. But then if I start to get towards a seven or eight, then I know I need to start to be preventative and start to slow things down. And this has been such a game changer for me because now I can be more preventative and know that as I'm getting closer to a seven or an eight, I can start to hit the brakes versus being at an eight or a nine and a 10, completely burning out and then reactively trying to hit the brakes and fix things. For sure. It's preventative. And it really goes back to everything we've been saying with mindset. Just be aware. And when you're aware that is when you can take agency. It's all about taking that ownership in your life. And what you said just then, it, yeah, like it's really important to check in because what, you know, what you don't measure can't be improved. <laughs> what, you, what you don't measure can't be improved, simple as that. So yeah, taking that time out uh, can be really helpful. Yeah, having that benchmark is just so important because then you can compare it to yesterday, the day before that or last week, and you can start to self-monitor. And now I have a fun question that I like to ask a lot of people, but do you mind sharing what your morning routine and evening routine look like? Yeah, absolutely. So in the morning, I make sure that I have at least 45, to, 45 minutes to an hour to ease into the day. So I really love a slow morning. Um, and I'm actually a morning person, so this works out pretty good. Usually I get up anywhere between 6 to 6.45 and I just give myself like a whole hour before I get into work at around um, get into work. I work for myself <laughs> in my own home, but get into my tasks at around like 8.39. And what I do in that slow morning kind of really depends on my mood, but it rotates between journaling sitting still in, I'm not going to say meditation. Uh, I'm not actually a big meditator, but like just sitting still because usually I'm quite tired when I wake up anyway. So I'll usually just make my coffee and I'll, I'll almost be too tired to journal. So I'll make my coffee and I'll just sit with it and I'll just sit for, for five minutes, stare into the room. I've usually got candles lit by then and like some music playing in the background, some ambient music. Um, and I'll either journal after that process of sitting in silence, or I will look at something called an upward spiral guide. So this is something that I developed um, with one of my mentors. And it's basically just a uh, document that I have on my tablet that lists um, all my goals, all my goals, 
all the beliefs that I need to support myself with my goals and my character traits that I want to embody. So this is a really important thing when you're achieving your uh, goals is to really embody the person that can actually uh, achieve those goals. So some character traits I have listed that I literally look at every single morning is, for example, uh, compassion. Compassion for myself, compassion for others, um, expressing non-judgment and, you know, uh, approaching things with love and empathy and understanding and not fear. I am someone that has very high expectations of myself. I'm a over, you know, very like type A personality and things like that. So compassion is something that doesn't come easy to me, actually. So I read this every single morning and remind myself. Other things that are on there are things like, you know, discipline and curiosity and things like that. But you get the idea. So I basically have this document that lists my goals, uh, the beliefs I need to support those goals and character traits. And then I, I sound psycho actually just like listing all this stuff. There's a page that is like my vision board, basically has all the all, all my goals uh, visualized. And I look at this every morning because it's so important to just remind yourself each and every day. Like we talk about mindset and reprogramming yourself. This is how you reprogram by reminding yourself of that, that higher version of you. So yeah, that's what my morning, that's what my morning looks like. Uh, upward spiral guide and um journaling and just sitting still and enjoying my coffee I've tried to wean off caffeine but I can't do it <laughs> so it's always a coffee is the first thing no I love it and it's always interesting hearing what works for everyone and I think everyone has something different so it just proves that you need to listen to yourself and do what works for you because I didn't actually know you didn't formally meditate but again it just proves to you that something that works for someone else may not work for you and the thing is, I, I try to meditate and I, I would say I, I meditate regularly, but it doesn't, it just doesn't always do it for me. So I kind of do it when I have really cluttered thoughts and things like that. Um, but I actually find I do it more in the day, like during the day when I need to uh, pattern interrupt, when I'm in between tasks and I'm not feeling focused or I'm just overthinking, that's when I'll do it. But yeah, for the morning, um, and I do, I do it sometimes if I feel like it, but it's just, it's just not part of my like continuous routine. And do you also have a good evening wind down routine? Yeah, so I, I don't really have a routine per se, but I make sure that I do not, um, I do not look at my phone after, it depends if I've got calls in the evening, but it's usually after nine o'clock. I do not look at my phone or watch any TV or Netflix or anything, and I read a book. So that is that is just my routine. Um, usually me and my partner, we will go to bed at the same time and no phones in the bedroom. Otherwise, you're tempted to look at it. And I will just, yeah, just read for like a couple of hours. Um, and that's all my routine is. And it's really good for me to just wind down that way. Um, and that's a good thing, an important thing to know about my morning routine as well is I do not look at my phone. I make sure I do not look at my phone. And most days I will not even pick up my phone till like midday if I don't have to. And that's really easy if it's just in another room and I'm just getting straight into work. So yeah, my evening routine, very simple, just shutting off my brain and my nervous system. 
Yeah. And I love to hear that you're able to do that because, you know, you show up so regularly on Instagram and you have clients and you're checking emails. So to hear that you're able to do that is really inspiring because I think a lot of people just think they always have to be on and you always have to be on top of it. But from what you're saying, you don't need to be. Yeah. You set the expectation for yourself. Right. And I think um, just on that note about showing up on Instagram and always being on, you know, um, you there is a need to be consistent in business and in life and with your friends There's a need to be consistent, but you don't have to be constant. So you set the pace for yourself. And if you're someone that does feel like you need to show up and all that kind of thing, it comes back to the boundaries question. My personal boundary is that I definitely, I absolutely hundred percent do not check my phone before I've sat still in silence, read my upward spiral guide and journal. I may pick up my phone some days after that, but only after that. Um, And that's my personal boundary. So you just set the boundaries uh, for yourself, really. You set the pace. Yeah, love it. And kind of last fun question, but do you have any book or podcast recommendations right now? I know you mentioned a few. Oh my God, this is so much pressure because I don't want to miss any podcasts or anything out because I have so many that I love. Yeah, I feel you. You can totally list more than one too. Four books. Uh, right now, I'm actually uh, rereading You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jensen Chair. So would definitely recommend that. So that, um, Jack Canfield's, I think it's Canfield or Cranefield, Jack Canfield's Principles of Success. I really like that. If you are someone that literally just wants an A to Z, it's very, very practical. If you just want an A to Z of like mindset, goal setting, showing up, taking action, neuroscience principles, everything, uh, that is a really, really great book. Another one is Nonviolent Communication by, I think it's, it's Marshall. I'm looking over to my bedside now. It's Ra- Marshall Rosenberg um, called Nonviolent Communication. And that is a really good book just all about how you can better communicate and better interact with other humans. Uh, so that's a really good one. And Power of Now, I need to put that in there. Um, Power of Now is by someone called Eckhart Tolle. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's a pretty iconic book. So a lot of people probably know it, but this book has really helped me to shift my perspective. And we were talking about anxiety and stress earlier. One of the biggest things that we haven't mentioned, but one of the biggest things about stress and anxiety is the fact that it lives in the past or in the future. It lives in um, ruminating and worrying about your past and stuff that you've done or stressing about things that haven't even happened in the future yet, right? So uh, this book is all about staying and being, really being in the present. And it's a bit of a heavy read and there's lots of mixed reviews. Some people are like, it's too much. Like, I don't get it. I literally just have it on my bedside and I just pick it up whenever I do feel like I'm going through like an anxious or stressed out state because, you know, we all do. And it just reminds me, it gives me um, lots of mindset shifts to just, be present and oh my god there are literally so many podcasts um I there's one called offline which is um hosted by someone called Alison Rice in Australia uh it's all just mindset and growth and personal development um there's also expanded 
by Lacey Phillips. Um, so this is all about, that's really cool because it's all about um, mindset and manifestation psychology and neuroscience and how neuroscience and psychology actually backs up the process of manifesting things into your life and creating that dream life, which I really like. It's not just about, you know, plucking things out of thin air. It's, it's like, you know, how do you actually physically bring these things into your reality? So I also really love that one. Thank you for sharing. And again, like you've had so many great things to share and you've had so many words of wisdom. So thank you so much for being so open and so candid with our community. Really appreciate it. But how can everyone stay connected with you and support you? Or if they have any questions, how can they get in touch? What are your links? Oh, amazing. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure. It's been a really uh, strange but amazing experience to be on the other side of the questions because usually I'm asking you all the questions. So it's been really, really nice. So thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. Um, in terms of where people can find me, probably the best place at the moment is Instagram because my website is under construction. So people can find me at at underscore Helen Kartika underscore. So that's underscore Helen K-A-R-T-I-K-A underscore. And uh, yeah, you can just find me there. There's links in my bio. You can um, shoot me a DM if you're interested in chatting mindset. Yeah, and I'll have it in the show notes too so folks can see it. But yeah, I think it's Helen's shared so much great wisdom today and I've had such a great time working with her and highly recommend her. So yeah, definitely check her out. And thank you so much, Helen. It's been amazing to be able to sit down with you and pick your brain on these important topics. So thanks again for sharing. And that was today's episode. If you enjoyed it and you took a lot out of it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Additionally, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe because new episodes will be automatically downloaded, and it also helps us as well to continue to provide this podcast for free to you and continue to share all of these valuable resources. If you haven't already, also make sure you rate Recloseted 5 stars if you think we deserve it and write a positive review. That really helps us as well. And we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.